Blog Talk Radio. Look at what you've just done to me Now it's too late to pretend I tried to play smart But right from the start I hoped this was how it would end I told myself it was ridiculous A silly adolescent the cost I argued and lost and now of one thing I'm sure you are my lucky star I saw you from consider it lucky to be held in the strong manly arms of Donald Lockwood, the glamorous star of the silver screen. A year ago it had scared me half to death. That was when I was a member of your fan club. Fan? Me? <laughs> I was the president. Why, you know, I waited outside the Brown Derby for two hours one night just to get a glimpse of you. But it was worth it. You looked so dazzling in your green knickers, yellow sweater, and orange beret. I just swooned. You see, I was Welcome to another edition of Archivist Bets on Sexy Witches. This is an out-of-season episode. Uh, we decided to come on a little bit early before we start our season three. Uh, over the holiday season, of course, everyone knows about the passing of Carrie Fisher and um, her mother within a day of each other, Debbie Reynolds. Um, now, granted, there was a lot of grief this year. I mean, we lost a lot of people. But this one yeah. in particular, I I didn't want to go. I didn't want to ignore this one, or just give it a little bit of lip service right before, you know, we talk about whatever we talk about on the show. So this is only an hour long episode. We're just going to talk about feels. This isn't going to be about stats necessarily, though. All of us here tonight have definite anecdotes and things we can talk about. This is going to be more about how we feel about things, how we feel about Carrie Fisher, how we feel about Debbie Reynolds, anybody else we want to talk about as well. And um, please, if you have any feelings on the subject, please call in. This is a live show, and it 
will stream afterwards for your download. Our phone number is 646-716-9172. The Sexy Witches are looking um, forward to your call. I'm not going to do full intros tonight, so I'm just going to go right in it and, and just tell everybody who everyone is. Uh, my Sexy Witch tonight in Cliftonford, Virginia, she's the porn witch, Erin Marie. How you doing, Erin Marie? I'm doing fair. Uh, I would ask you how your holidays went, but I actually know because I saw you not once but twice this weekend uh, over the holidays. <laughs> yes, I just left your house, I think, what, two days ago? <laughs> yeah, so so I know you know how we're doing. So I'm glad you're here with me. And, of course, we both talked about this when we saw each other in person because I was actually out of town while this was going on, and that's a story unto itself. I might tell it, I might not. We'll talk about that another time. Uh, I want to bring on the other people first that are on the line. Uh, we're going to go out to, unfortunately, uh, Queenie Todd, our uh, sexy wear witch in, in Seattle, cannot be with us tonight. Uh, but we do have our L.A. correspondent to the West Coast is represented. And please welcome to the show in Orange County, California, Aaron Kogan, the cuz. How are you doing, sir? Uh, good evening. I'm hanging in there. Good to be with y'all. And uh, Natalie oh, was, y'all. was yeah. Natalie was really really concerned about you. And actually, because Natalie's post, this is what actually made me decide we should go on and talk about this. So you can give your wife a little bit of shout out that she was a slight a little bit of an influence on our show tonight. So thank her for that. Because I figured I anybody will. needs. Yeah, anybody wanted to talk about this, I figured you would want to talk about this tonight. So thank you for coming on the show. So Yeah, happy to. Okay, and um, uh, now back on the East Coast, we have one other person. He's my resident Star Wars geek on the East Coast, and uh, used to have his own show, Dollar Bin Horror Radio. Rest in peace, Dollar Bin Horror Radio as well. But Eric Polk, the author, rises from the ashes of the podcast, and so please welcome to the show, uh, resident Star Wars geek, Dollar Bin Eric Polk. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good, Liz. How are you all doing tonight? Yes, so how is uh was it uh, oh my gosh I forgot where you live you live in the valley Ohio Valley yeah right? I live I live yeah I live uh, I live about forty five minutes east of Pittsburgh hmm. yeah that's right so your penguins are doing well and 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 our <laughs> our caps are not. But that's another mm-hmm. episode as well. But uh, yeah. we're kicking our ass this year. Uh, but I'm glad you're here because you know uh, you're another person that also I would know that would want to be here tonight. So thank you for coming on the show. And actually, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. So if that's okay. Yeah, um, that's fun. Okay. Oh, my so uh, I'm not going to ask you where you heard it. That's not important. But I am going to ask you, like when. Uh, that you were uh, the first, your first runner for not Star Wars: The New Hope, but to, for Empire in 1980. So mm-hmm. uh, let's step in there and and tell me like how you got to why did you you first of all you're a huge Star Wars fan, but I would assume that the original cast in particular was important to you. But you know we'll talk about obviously Carrie Fisher is bigger than this, but we most of us are especially our generations were introduced through Star Wars to her. And then we learn to love her as a whole person. Um, so please start. Go ahead and start with this. Oh yeah, because uh, I was born in uh, 1975, so I kind of was a little too young to see the original Star Wars in its first run. So a little older, go up to 1980. My mom took me to see uh, Empire Strikes Back, and for I'll tell you guys, I'll tell you guys a story about a certain audience, older audience member one day if uh, we were talking about that movie, but. No, Carrie Fisher, like, in the beginning, when I didn't know what a crush was, she was, like, a crush to me. You know, even in the, when I didn't know what a crush meant at the time. I mean, I would, you know, my eyes would be glued to the TV, you know, waiting for a commercial, you know, see her on or whatever. And she was, I kind of I, I kind of started, like, more, more like a guardian angel always, you know, protecting me when I was, you know, like, four or five, you know, and scared of the monsters under the bed and all that, so I, so that was really my first. Uh, that was really my, that was really my first interaction with her, 
And as I got older and I was able to distinguish, you know, strong, you know, female characters from, you know, the cardboard, you know, one dimen- you know, one dimensional, you know, women you saw in like the slash in many slasher movies and many, you know, low grade science fiction movies, I realized, you know, wow, George Lucas for his time really wrote a strong character with Princess Leia. And you see that in uh you know, Star Wars, the first Star Wars movie, A New Hope, more than I think you do in any of her other films. You know, because she didn't take she took no she didn't take any crap from anybody in that movie whatsoever. Han, Luke, you know, she even, you know, threw a little insult Chewbacca. Yeah, Darth Vader, yeah. her father, you know. She took no crap from nobody. Which was something you did not you did not see, you hardly ever saw in a movie like uh, Star Wars, you know, in similar science fiction films. I mean, we did have our earlier images. You know, I I would say I was a little, you know, I want to put people in context here. Uh, I was if I was three going on four when Star Wars came out, and I saw it five times that summer. My parents saw it six times that summer. Matter of fact, <laughs> what happened was they went to see it opening night, came back. The next day, got up, and we went and saw the next opening show the next morning, the matinee. So, and then that was like like five, four more times randomly. Like we would be driving, and there's like the, we went to different places to see it. Um, you know, Dad's like, oh, this is a great movie palace. Let's go see it there. And we did. I saw it at the Grand Lake, I think, once. I saw it at this place like that was this Asian themed i don't even know if it exists i've been trying to figure out what the fuck because i remember seeing also (laughs) airplane there too and i was like where is that anyway so i digress but anyway so i saw it a lot now let's put let's put it into context right now my daughter can go onto netflix and turn on a disney princess and she has her disney princesses she has a ray of disney princesses to pick from in 1977 you did not have that to watch a Disney film was a privilege. You had to have the catalog and rent it, and mostly churches got things like Incredible Journey. They didn't get movies like mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Sleeping Beauty, and we didn't even see Snow White until I was an adult. Okay, and it wasn't even available. None of this stuff was available. What was available in 1977 was Princess Leia. Princess Leia mm-hmm. was what was available. And that is my Disney princess. That was my princess now. It was her. It was her and the Ray Harryhausen princesses, who honestly are pretty strong women like Jane Seymour and, mm. uh, you know, all these really wonderful, strong princesses were the ones that I actually, I knew about Snow White. I knew about the Disney Cinderella. I knew about all of them. I had the gold books. I had all that stuff. But I'd not seen the movies. The movies not until the VHS and they finally started to release them slowly. You know, the only Disney film I saw in the theaters was Dumbo, one of the, uh, you know, of the, of the, of the great films. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So I saw Fox and the so, Hound. Yeah. Well, that was way late though. That's eighties. You know, I'm talking yeah. about the, the third. Well, the I wasn't born till 78. Well, no, because what was happening is that <laughs> Disney had this way of releasing things. You had a catalog, and they had the catalog and it always went back from. into the vaults. Oh, yeah, about every 10 in. years. Yeah. It was even ten, even sometimes less than that. Like, uh, like I think Fantasia played once when I was a kid, and I didn't get to go. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, it was that kind of thing. Uh, I didn't see Alice in Wonderland until it was on VHS. Uh, and, and, you know, so, you know, the, so Star Wars, though, and there was a re-release, too, in the 80s also. It was just a straight-up mm-hmm. old-school re-release, and I went to that as well. Uh, so Carrie Fisher was there. She was everywhere. She was on my, my, she was on my, my twin bed. She was on a poster <laughs> on my wall. She was yeah. everywhere. I watched the, I watched the friggin' holiday special to see her and Luke and Han was the only reason and I was like and they're in it for the last five minutes and I was like where are they I really want to see them but I was I was four I I I didn't realize how awful the Wookiees were you know so yeah 
yeah, some kind of a lot of suggestion in that special, <laughs> especially when uh, the grand one of the their grandpa was grandpa? watching that date. Yeah, Diane yeah. Carey. Yeah. Lumpy. <laughs> no, I'm yeah, sorry. That was, it's that was it. it. It's Wookiee porn is what it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, Diane Carroll was really porn for Wookiees, so yeah, I guess the rest is Wookiee porn. It's true. <laughs> yeah, I actually watched uh, the epi- I actually watched uh, the old SNL episode with uh, Carrie Fisher from 1978. It was her and uh, the Blues Brothers. The Blues Brothers. Oddly enough, you know, which would yeah, which so play, great. I know plays into it later, and you know I got you know I got to see Carrie Fisher, you know, in the prison play outfit doing a beach number with uh, seeing Obi Wan Kenobi and oh, all that. That was I mean, that was just classic, classic. SNL and the right there. just embodied voice of Obi Wan Kenobi helping her through the monologue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was so that was good. So good. And mm-hmm. this girl is, tw- and she's 22, right, when she did that. I think she was mm-hmm. 22 by the time that the original Star Wars let out. I mean, uh, you know, but she, when she was in that bikini, you know, it, it, and she, she was only 60 when she passed. You know, she feels like she's been with us yeah. forever. But she was actually quite young when this was all going on, as was her mom, Debbie Reynolds, when she hit superstardom. She was also in the 19 to 20-year range when she hit superstardom with Singing in the Rain. They both had very similar, like, like life stories when it came to that. And they all, you know, even to the point of, of their mental illness and drug use and the whole bit. I mean, it, it, it's amazing. Two amazing women had demons that only made them stronger because they could fight them and persevere. And and so that's a role model into itself. And and I don't really love Carrie Fisher's honesty about being Princess Leia. She knew where she was with it. You know, that's not her anymore. That was the teenage girl doing all that, you know. But mm-hmm. at the same time, she goes, yeah, which you watched Erin Kogan. You watched Wishful Drinking. She talks about being buried with, with Leia in that, right? Yep. Yeah, uh, I don't remember just... talking about being buried with Leia, but uh, she totally uh, unpacks the whole uh, mental illness thing and just breaks it all fucking down. She was a hero. She is a hero to so many people just for that. That's kind of freaking amazing. She was always open and honest. She never hid yeah. anything. Mm-mm. Yeah, extremely and she's so smart and funny talking about it too. Uh, if you get the chance to see wishful drinking, do it, as she says in the show. And then uh, Bright Lights, which has its premiere this Saturday on HBO, is apparently going to feature a lot of footage that they took out of Wishful Drinking because it was apparently too dark. Uh, Eddie Fisher, her dad, had just passed literally months before uh, it was released. So they cut some stuff out, and apparently that's going to be in Bright Lights. Well, I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I actually, if you ha- if people haven't seen Wishful Drinking, the live show that HBO has, it is so worth seeing. Um, and my favorite thing in the whole, I mean, she gives a lot of good stuff, but my favorite thing is actually at the top of the show where she pulls out this ginormous billboard. And you can go to my the slideshow <laughs> on the episode and see it. And she explains the relationship she has with her mother and and Eddie Fisher and all the divorces and remarriages and children. Hollywood and, you know, inbreeding 101, she calls it. Yeah. Hollywood inbreeding and, 101. And, <laughs> and she brings it back to these two people, and they still don't know. They were like, are we actually cousins? We're not sure if we are, but we could be cousins. <laughs> you know, it, you know it, it's hysterical. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of an amazing thing, you know, to hear this story play out in front of her. And, you know, a lot of people give, like, and anyway, let me give it to Erin Maria because I've got to, like, backtrack on my thinking a little bit. Um, you know, as a mother and and raising girls like myself, uh, does Leia, has, does Carrie Fisher or Leia and or Leia, play any role in any ideas or anything that you you work with when you work with your girls? What do you think? Um, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Because I'm not really sure <laughs> I do. Uh, 
Well, I've always taught them to be strong and independent and not depend on anybody else but themselves. <laughs> That's definitely a Princess Leia thing. But for me, um, I was born in 78, so I grew up on Star Wars. I remember that the earliest VHS tapes we had were some of the, like, Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back and asking my mother to braid my hair like Leia. And uh, I used to have really long hair, and I could get the Leia braids. Mm -hmm. Now I I wish I could. (laughs) And uh, what was it? We went to Rogue One. And then you went to bed, but I ended up doing a double feature and watching Singing in the Rain when we got home. Oh, so yeah. I did a, a Carrie, right. Carrie Fisher, Debbie Reynolds double feature. I actually put that, uh, that, that particular disc of, of, of Singing in the Rain is really, really good. And not just because of the sh- of the episode. The, the B disc is excellent, too, because it shows you where all the songs were and all the deleted scenes. As a matter of fact, that was what I opened the show with was uh, Debbie Rowell's version of You Are My Lucky Star, which was actually cut from the show. Um, it's a deleted scene, but it's so beautiful. And, you know, it, it just kind of shows her singing range. Cause, but uh, I wanted to talk about Debbie just for a minute. Um, and Aaron, you're a good one with this. I, you know, once again, Debbie Reynolds was 19 and singing in the rain, and she ended up exploding. And the reason is, here she is dancing with two of the best men in the world when it comes to dancing. Mm. Gene Kelly, by far, is absolutely one of the most who hated ballet her dancers. They, you know, but the, he is she, he is the ballet dancer of his generation, and he would let everybody yeah. know it. By the way, he was a perfectionist. You know, he, Gene Kelly he had was. to have everything right. But but on the other side of the hand, she had Donald O'Connor, okay, who happens to be one of the best physical artists that ever lived, okay. And then there's little demure Debbie Reynolds in the center, holding her own with these two men, great people next to her. And that's what's kind of incredible. I mean, that's why she was a star. Uh, I still think uh, there's two perfect sequ- musical sequences in Singing in the Rain. One is, is Good Morning, Good Morning with all three of them. But uh, but my favorite, the one that if I was going to be stuck on a, a desert island, is actually Make Them Laugh with Donald O'Connor. Make Them Laugh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, Make Them Laugh is amazing. But, but you know, I, I, both those sequences are amazing and Debbie Reynolds has a lot to do with why uh, Good Morning, Good Morning is so good she is just phenomenal in that sequence and she's phenomenal in that movie and and you know and a lot of people don't know even after she was out of the mainstream she was still a voice actor even up until like last year she was doing voice yeah. work so she's you know she's done animation so she's been all everywhere of course she did in the 70s yeah. uh, once again Charlotte's Web, which you want to talk mm. about one of those movies that doesn't, it doesn't matter. I, I can watch like a minute of Charlotte's Web and I instantly cry. I just cry <laughs> and I cry and I cry. I just, yeah. I think that just yeah. like Charlotte's, Debbie Reynolds' vocal performance in, in Charlotte's Web is so beautiful and so deep and soulful. And it's like, this is not head of Barbera cartoon. It has no right to be that good. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, it doesn't. It has no right to be that good. Uh, you know, so, and it's funny because, like, I was actually, because I loved her voice performance so much in the original, I was actually very loathe to to watch the Julia Roberts remake. I just was like, no, she's not my Debbie Reynolds. No way. Not my Charlotte. <laughs> Hashtag no. You know, so Debbie Reynolds yeah. is just as equally as important to me and my childhood as because as, you know both films came out in like 77 I think if I remember right uh, so um, mm, sounds about you know, right so, yeah. yeah I'm pretty sure both films came out in 77 I want to say and that, don't forget uh, Demi, Demi Reynolds was nominated for a best uh, female actor Oscar for the unsinkable Molly Brown. And the only reason she lost was Julie Andrews and uh, Mary Poppins, which, you know, if you can get more iconic than that for Julie Andrews. That that would have been a year that Audrey Hepburn was nominated for My Fair Lady, too. Yeah, can you imagine having to pick between those three women and three of the best (laughs) movies of their kind? 
You know, it's like, no. You, know, you should be lucky I, I, to get something like that this year or next. Oh, my God. You know, it, yeah. it, that tells you really the caliber of this woman, that she that was her competition in a year yeah. that she was actually wasn't considered her best film even. You know, it's not considered her best film. It, it's it's not, but she was way. awesome in it. Well, she's, well, it's the unthinkable Molly Brown. You know, there's also, you know, there's a whole generation of kids that also know Debbie Reynolds to the Halloween Town movies on Disney. Uh, you know, there's, oh, a, yeah. you know, she did, you know, she did raise a lot of childhoods along with Carrie Fisher. You know, they never stopped working, both of them. Even when Carrie Fisher dropped out of the mainstream, she was a script doctor. You know, she wrote yeah. like, what was it, uh, was it, I don't remember the whole list. I should look it back up. But I know one of them was Sister Act 2 is one of her movies. <laughs> Sister Act 2, she was called in to be a script doctor for a couple of the different Oscars when the jokes just weren't happening. Uh, she was all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I, I even think if I remember Entourage makes a joke about it. I think they go to her house or something and she reads a, <laughs> reads like his script and calls it shit or something like that. Anyway, I, I may be mixing up my shows, but I seem to remember something like that. And it's only something she totally do. Um, her cameo performances so. have been some of the most delightful I've ever seen. You know, her Blues oh. Brothers and Entourage yeah. mm-hmm. and... Just the little cameos that she would do. They were always great. I remember her in screen her cameo on screen three. That was probably, that was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, How about I one of the few things I liked about screen three actually, come to think of it. I always loved the Bruce Brothers and the big guy. Or Lover Boy you know, in the eighties with yeah. Patrick Dempsey. Blues Brothers. Mm-hmm. Blues Brothers. Yeah, she was uh, I thought she was actually pretty good in when Harry met Sally as uh, one of her friends that you know, yes. she's, yeah, you know, yeah, you know always wondering bit. about the... You know, I almost watched that yesterday. <laughs> I completely <laughs> forgot yeah. Carrie Fisher was in that. She was her best yeah. friend. Yeah. Yes, I also want to yes, remind you. people that there's a whole generation of, 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 of kids out there that know Carrie Fisher through um, uh, Robot Chicken and Family Guy. Because she does her own mm-hmm. voice on on right. Family Guy, she, she does and and, and on uh, and at least one episode of Robot Chicken, she did Princess Leia. I'm positive she did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she plays you mean Anna that, Fowler that on Entourage. In and out. <laughs> yeah, it's hysterical. I I love it. yeah. Here, Robot Chicken, Star Wars Episode Two, Princess Leia. She plays herself. Nice. So, and she plays Mon Motha, which she's played before, by the way. Uh, I, I oh, think wow. we have two or three more uh, family guys with Carrie Fisher yet to come. And, of course, we yeah. haven't yet talked about episode uh, seven. I'm sorry, episode eight and episode nine yet. Well, you know, yeah. whatever happens with episode nine, I really don't care. We lost someone that is more important than that film. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping, I hope they can salvage their investment. I'm sure they'll work their way around it, but there's no replacing her. You can't. No. Can't do it. No, no way. No. There's no way to replace her. It's like the idea of like this Han Solo solo movie, even though he's alive. It's still, yeah. there's just no way you can place Harrison Ford as Han Solo, even younger. I, I'm sorry, you can't. It's too iconic. I think it's going to fall flat on its face. I think things like Rogue One have better potential because they're not, like, strictly directly to, um, you know, the the main canon. The family. The, mm-hmm. Leia, mm-hmm. the Skywalker trilogy, family, the you know? Skywalker saga. Although, yeah. spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Rogue One yet, I guarantee you if you're a Carrie Fisher or Princess Leah fan, the last thirty seconds or whatever will drop you. Yeah. It was, it was well, I, I did fine for no, It was a little too it was a little too CGI'd for me. No, yeah. you know what? It didn't drop me. I expected it. Yeah. I was happy it was there. It that's where it should end. That was the, the right logical location. Um, yeah. Was it in her hands? Right. I, I actually do have a lot of issues with the CG in the film. Uh, I think it took me out of it. I think one yeah. of the things they could have easily fixed, especially if we're going to talk about Rogue One, was um, I thought that the it was. 
I know what they did. I hope they can fix it later. <laughs> I see what they're trying to do. Um, but there's computers. They can fix it later. If, but all they had to do to fix Grand Tar, uh, it was Malt Tarkin, was to put his hands behind his back. If they had just had him stand with his hands behind his back instead of down mm-hmm. in his side, he would have looked more like he would have on the, on the original Star Wars, and it would have fit better, and I wouldn't have been more like, ah, this is Polar Express all over again, which is what I was, my brain was telling me. So I give Polar Express for effort, is though. bad, but I don't think anything is as bad as Clue and Tron Legacy. That was really scary. Uh, well, but, you know, we're going to go back to, uh, you know, Carrie Fisher. And, you know, and the last thing we saw all saw her in, not counting reruns and things like that, would have been Force Awakens. And I wanted to mention not the, her performance, but my favorite thing that Carrie Fisher did for years, like, was on was the press junket for that movie. Because mm. she was on Good Morning America, and she just took control of that interview. And it was the funniest interview. I should have ripped it and played it. I mean, it is hysterical. <laughs> she doesn't give a fuck. She's happy that yeah. she did the movie, but she's just kind of like, yeah, I have to do this junket. It was so funny because Harrison Ford is doing the junket, but you can see him fuming behind his eyes. Like, what the fuck am I doing on daytime television? You know, I, I'm Harrison <laughs> Ford. I don't have to do this anymore. You know, Carrie Fisher's just like, yeah, I have, they're making me do this, but I'm just going to have fun with it because they're making me do this. So <laughs> I was like, you know, was, and so I, I will post it afterwards. I highly, if you want to see Carrie Fisher at a true moment, watch the Good Morning America interview she did for uh, Force Awakens Junket. So I highly recommend it. Made me happy. So. Yeah. Like you say, she had no more fucks to give. No, and and, and we should all learn from that example because you know Amen. the girl earned it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I I don't I need to learn how to be stronger than that you know because you know it, it shows that even when you are like your demons are, are attacking you it doesn't make you weak it's just another fight you know and you know it doesn't always end well I've known a few people with addiction it doesn't always end well but there's some people that do fight the good fight and they're worth fighting for. And Carrie Fisher was one of those people. You know, she fought a good fight. It unfortunately caught up with her in the end. Uh, you know, but even, you know, that, that happens. You know, even even uh, uh, Jerry Garcia had actually cut back when he died. His heart yeah. just gave out, you know. Uh, Jerry died in rehab, it, yeah. Yeah, I was there. I was in Forest the day he died. Uh, so well, I was less than a mile I, from him. I'd like to say something about Carrie and her her past catching up on her. I know that's the popular opinion, and it may be true. I don't know. I'm, I haven't read the forensics. I don't even know if anything's been released or anything. But one thing I would totally like to point out is, you know, when an older person goes through uh, an extreme weight loss, someone in their 50s or 60s, that also puts a hell of a strain on the heart. And oh, yeah. as someone oh. who fought against the bullshit of being forced to remain as she said some some contract that she forgot she signed that she was supposed to remain exactly like she was when she was in her twenties in a brass bikini. You know? Well we should we should probably put a little asterisk next to that hard living thing and maybe point well, at the weight it, loss it, the studio put on her. Oh well but also and this goes back to Julie this goes back to, you know, uh, uh, uh Wizard of Oz, okay, and Judy Garland. A lot of the women have those clauses in their contracts, especially in the past. And a lot of them ended up doing a lot of drugs to keep the weight down. They were taking weight loss pills, which would speed you up, and then they would take sleeping pills because they couldn't sleep. And then they took too many of those, so they would need some kind of no-dose to wake them up again, and it became an official cycle. A lot of young 
ingenue Hollywood types ended up with that problem. It was, yeah. it's, you know, it, and, and Carrie Fisher would be the first to admit she was one of those girls stuck in that cycle, you know, and, and, and it, there has to be a little bit of culpability in that because this story keeps happening over and over again, and it hasn't really stopped. I mean, look no. at people like Lindsay Lohan for Matt. I mean, I actually thought Lindsay Lohan was going to be one of our greatest actresses for a while. I thought her choice, she was a good actress even in her Disney films. I, I thought that she had potential. I, she was, had a good agent hiring good, good movies. You know, she worked across from Meryl Streep and Lily Tomlin in a, in a yeah. Robert Altman film for crying out loud. I was like, but, but her demons, these, the, the, once again, the same problems. The, these girls hit an age, and they just kind of self-destruct for a while. Maybe it's a natural progression. I don't know, but it's something mm. that keeps happening, and it's not like you ha- like people around them can't expect it anymore. You know, it's like, oh, my God, she's got drugs in her system, and she's freaking out. You know what? There was a girl like two weeks ago that was doing the same thing in another part of a party. <laughs> you know, anyway, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to solve that problem. That's another, but yeah, there's, it seems to be, uh, and Debbie Reynolds too, for that matter, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I think that's always been an issue in Hollywood. I don't know anything more I can say about it. Cause I don't know what the current climate is now. It's a lot different. I'm assuming. They made her do it I for uh, so. this for the Force Awakens, they they told her she had to lose weight for the Force Awakens. And, you know, it's and, still going right, on. They did tell to this us. day. Yeah. yeah. So you know, fuck off. You know, leave Carrie Fisher alone. Thank you. She's beautiful as she is. You know. I'm sorry, but if 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 you want her as Princess Leia, you're courting her. She doesn't have to come back to the franchise. Well, not to mention she's Princess Leia as Princess Leia is in her late 50s. You know, she's mm-hmm. playing age appropriate. It's not like she has to get, you know, when they needed, I will say one thing about the CG, when they needed to age her down, they had the technology to do it. Now it's a little icky still, but they did do it and it worked for enough to recognize that was Princess Leia at the end of New Hope, at the beginning of New Hope, you know, so mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all that. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, anyway, um Anybody else? I haven't even checked to see if we had any calls recently. Uh, <laughs> I've been looking at other things. Um, this, let's see. Uh, I I don't know. There's not much more I can say that hasn't been said about her already. I, I just, you know, between Leia Do you have fond and, memories? And, well, Leia and, and Marion Ravenwood were kind of my, my girls. They were the two that I would say – out of all of the women I witnessed growing up, they were probably the two that had the most profound effect in my life. And honestly, this this podcast would not get, exist without Princess Leia. I guarantee you that. I I you know I I it's so funny too when I played Princess Leia because you know you got to play Star Wars. You just do. Sure. And for people that yeah. have. I didn't. Ha- I was really poor. You have no idea. Movies were like to pay five times to see a movie, the same movie in my family, was like a big fucking deal. <laughs> you know, we, we, the movies was our family outing. That's what we did. We went to the movies. My dad and I went to the movies every Sunday night for years and years and years. That was what we did. So I saw a lot of movies with my father. And uh, but Princess Leia, like. I grabbed, uh, you know, my favorite thing in the world to do is to take one of the tubes from the Christmas wrapping and, and color it blue and then have a lightsaber and then fight. But I was never Princess Leia and I was never Luke. I was always Princess Leia's sister because she was too cool. I didn't want to play. I wanted to be her sister. I didn't want to be Princess Leia. I always thought that was funny. And even when we played with other kids, it always ended up that I was Princess Leia's sister. I was along for the the journey of Star Wars. You know, I was along for the ride. But, uh, you know, because, you know, that was actually, like, how I played Princess Leia when I was growing up. Because I, cause I also wanted the lightsaber. I'll be honest with you. Luke had a friggin' cool lightsaber. I already liked swords. 
So with this sword, it freaking <laughs> lights up. So I, I wanted one of those so bad. And actually, honestly, I wanted the red one at first, even though that guy had it. Um, but it's so cool, the black and red. Just just awesome, you know. I was, like, really into that. Sure. But I paint them myself. <laughs> You know, anyway, so, you know, who needs, who needs to buy a, a, a lightsaber in the store? You just get a dollar wrapping paper and use that, you know? So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I used to For play sure. with all of my cousin Ian's, you know, first-generation Star Wars toys. Those things were mm. awesome. My parents never yeah. got me Star Wars toys, even though I loved them, so I had to play with my cousin Ian's. So <laughs> that was, yeah, like, I the never... best part of going over to his house. Yeah, I never had a lot of Star Wars toys growing up, but my friends would always my friends would like always have them up to, up to like Return of the Jedi. So I'd be over there playing with uh, Jabba the Hutt with his uh, head and his tail, and take keep taking off uh, Princess Leia when she was the boss bounty hunter and everything. So mm-hmm. I didn't have I didn't have uh, this that uh, one Return of the Jedi board game. I think it was called the Starlight Pit where. I think it was a car. I mean, this was like years ago, so I don't remember the specifics of the moves or whatever. But I think if you roll a certain way, the dice a certain way, you wound up in the pit or something. But I think she was one of the. I think she was one of the characters on on there for sure. It's, like I said, it's been years and years ago, but I do remember having that game. So I had it too, actually. Yeah, she was one of the characters you could play. And, yeah. and but you know, when I opened the box, all my all the guys that were holding lightsabers, all the lightsabers are broken. But anyway, um, yeah. I was trying to think about Princess Leia when you were mentioning that. Um, you know, hold on just a second. This is louder than I can say. Um, I, I, Oh no, I was not saying. I just realized, you know, nobody mentioned that her brief marriage to Paul Simon in the uh, mid '80s. I think they were oh, married yeah, for like less than a year, kind of like kind of like Don. Oh, we forgot to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, I married mean, for two years, but lived together off and on for twelve. Yeah. Yeah. And then he goes on and marries Edie Raquel after her. You know, mm-hmm. uh, what a bunch of like amazing women that man's been around. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. so. Uh, you know, for okay, sure. I was like, Paul, Paul Simon. I mean, she's she's just she was so everywhere, and people didn't even realize she's like had, how much yeah. influence she had behind the scenes in Hollywood. I mean, everyone yeah. loved her, and even despite but, what happened earlier. I don't know life. if it was the uh, last you know. podcast. I don't know if it was the last podcast or the one before that where we were talking about how amazing soap dish is, and I completely forgot she was in that too. Yeah. Yeah, that was the last one when we were talking about Life Day. We mentioned Soap Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, I, yeah. So, go ahead. I actually uh, spoke to her at a book signing. She uh, was one of the sequels to Postcards from the Edge, and she was talking about how she had something she was working on for Star Wars in particular. And I said I was really excited for that, and also that she was part of the ensemble for Soap Dish. That's one of my favorite comedy ensembles of all time. And she said to me, either Honey or Hun. I don't remember for sure which it was. I don't remember <laughs> period of time. I just, yeah, don't remember that. You were geeking out. <laughs> I was fully geeking out. Are you kidding? Princess Leia called me Honey. Oh, yeah. I know I would. Even in the hospital afterwards. <laughs> And, and, and you know, yeah, everyone cheap. talks about postcards from the edge because there's a movie involved, and the movie's really good, by the way. But boy, it's a really people should read that book. It actually is a really, really funny book. Like, 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 like her sense of humor is so dry and so. Uh, it, it, so postcards from the edges are really fun book to read. I, I actually like it a lot more than wishful drinking. Wishful drinking is is obviously a more personal. Well, they're both pretty friggin' personal books, actually, in the end. But uh, I think that postcards is directly about her mother. So she, yeah. <laughs> you know, no one knows. So you know, no one knows your mother better than your daughter. I, I I'm I, I'm like scared and, 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 and jealous and terrified that I would even have a, a relationship as remotely roller coaster but wonderful as they had, you know. And they were. They were roller coaster. They didn't always get along. Not at all. I'd forgotten uh, that know. their houses were side by side, that they lived 
next to each yeah, other. Yeah, they lived next door to each other. <laughs> they, they, yeah, I know. They just wow. lived next door. To, I mean, they, they cared about each other. They lived next door to each other. Um, and, you know, uh, um, go ahead. Yeah, I'm not the first to observe this, but, you know, um, it's got to be said, you know, Carrie Fisher was always talking about how Debbie Reynolds upstaged her and, you know, the day after Carrie Fisher dies. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but I, I don't see it that way. You know, no, I just see a really no, heartbroken no. mom, you know. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I've, I've, You'd I've have seen to... it all know. Without going into personal stuff, I've dealt with a lot of loss and death in my life, and and you know that someone can die from grief. Yeah, it, I can tell you, from, it's completely possible. Absolutely, I would. Reportedly, her last. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why more mothers don't. Honestly, because yeah. I so would. Uh, well, you don't know until it happens. You know, we but, talked you know, about a lot of really great Carrie Fisher performances, but we didn't talk about. A, more Debbie Reynolds other than singing in the rain. Well, well, yeah, let's talk more about Debbie Reynolds. I mentioned Charlotte Webb, and I mentioned, oh, she was in Kim Molly. Possible for a while. Uh, Molly Brown. She did the, she, she contributed a lot to Halloween with all of the Halloween Town series. Well, that's what I and said witchcraft. that too, actually. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, so, um, uh, she was the voice of Madam in Kiki's Delivery Service, but my favorite performance, I think, of Debbie Reynolds, other than Singing in the Rain, is uh, her, her turn as Kevin Klein's mother in In and Out. You know, I, I, I haven't seen that in years. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, she, she was, was really just so delightful that. and sweet. How I I understand wanting to be gay, but who doesn't want a wedding? <laughs> 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 you know, she did go through a period of line when she was doing like some um uh, how like like Hallmark movies like she did uh the Christmas Wish. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. oh, my lord. Right nose reindeer the movie, you know. Uh you know, so she did stuff like that too. So, you know, she get the job and then but then she like started like this really awesome voice career with the Rugrats and then continued on from there. Uh you That's know, right. she I, did I, do I, the I, I yeah, totally did the Rugrats and the Rugrats movies and the Halloween Town and all that stuff. So, you know, she she was never not working. Matter of fact, that both her and Carrie Fisher were working the weeks they died. You know, uh, and it's not it, that's what I think is the, like people that are like, well, you shouldn't mourn celebrities. Yeah, you you know, it's always sad when someone passes. And yes, Debbie. Well, Rose they've been a part of our life. But, yeah. But it, well, they play a big it's also, role. Though, in particular, when people like David Bowie pass or Alan Rickman or Carrie Fisher, people that are still producing, still creating, still being original, and then they're just cut off and they're gone. You know, yeah. it, 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 it feels it, it's what it feels so hollow. You know, it's like there, you knew that there was more to there was more to give, and and we our world will not be the same because we'll never know what that was. Yeah. So that, that mm-hmm. that's the that's why things like when Carrie Fisher passes, people like, it, it hurts a lot more than just saying, well, "Oh, well, it's sad that this person died." But no, this person affected millions of people, millions of people feeling the same way. That's just it. It, it affected us. I mean, they were a part of our family. They were, <laughs> in, in our cases on our walls when we were kids. Their likenesses mm-hmm. were our dolls, our toys, our soaps, our shampoo bottles. Jesus. We emulated them. We played mm-hmm. them. We yeah. <laughs> they've been And eventually they very inspired integral. you know, and in some cases they inspired us to go and do and go and do something like Star I mean Star Wars is like the corner of my life and eventually it was like one of the things that down the road inspired me to write stories and novels. It was Star Wars, the whole, you know, the whole concept of it. Just, well, you know, it grew, it grew. X. 
you're right, Eric. Mm-hmm. You've written a lot of science fiction and mysteries uh, so far, and you've published a few of them and some Star Trek fan fiction. But it's Generation Xers are very much extremely creative as a generation. We've done a lot of stuff. But here's what we do, and this is why I think it's neat. And we were kind of the first generation to do it. We've seen every type of film. We've seen every – we're heavily influenced by things like Star Wars. So what we do is we take it all, we throw it in a bowl, we mix it together, and we create something new and fresh with the ideas that already exist. So we get exactly. things like robot chicken. You know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and Carrie Fisher understood that, and fan films, and, and cosplay, and all this stuff comes from all, of, and, and uh, especially from most of, most of this started with the 70s, and us kids watching this movie about spaceships, and robots, and Death Stars. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm actually kind of blessed in some way, and I think we're lucky that Unlike the generation defined before us, which was defined by the assassination of a president, our generation was designed, was was defined by a movie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, a movie, a piece of art, a piece of art mm-hmm. influenced an entire generation of people and continues to produce more. And you know, mm-hmm. even even in the down years. San Diego Comic-Con had a Star Wars panel. And believe me, it was shit some years. I'm sure Aaron Kogan could probably actually vouch for that, that it would be terrible. But other times it would actually be pretty awesome. But it was always there. They never canceled the Star Wars panel at at Comic-Con. It's the one thing that closes out every year. Every fucking year we have the who would win Starship battle. And it's it's become for a lot of people the the yin and yang of science fiction and Star Trek and Star Wars, and I don't see it as an either or at all. But that you would you know define a generation of a genre like that says something about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Aaron. I mean, it, science fiction and goes beyond Star Wars and Star Trek, but they're as far as I'm concerned, they're, you know, like as I mentioned before, they're, they're the cornerstones of our lives, yeah. are those two franchises. Very and, well and said. Unlike some, and, and it actually, it was interesting, it, it, these movies, though, didn't just launch us into movies. Uh, I started reading a lot of science fiction because of these movies, so I read more. Uh, yep. You know, I thank Carrie mm-hmm. Fisher for that. There was a lot of really good early Star Wars books. Uh, the Han Solo series was really, really fun. And I'm hoping oh, yeah. that they do this stupid yeah. Solo movie that they actually look at those older books because they were very good, especially when it came to the universe in Chewbacca. Uh, so, yeah. um, you know, uh, so, it, it, and of course, we, the original fan art, like Troops and Hardware Wars, my friend's <laughs> uncle did Hardware Wars. I went to high school with Pete Vasilius Pete and his brother Eric and I did uh, community theater together. And his uh, uncle did uh, 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 Hardware Wars and Closet Cases of the Nerd Kind. Uh, so did they were you do an Apocalypse Now film. parody too? I don't remember if that's him. I'll have to look it up. Ernie Fossarellius, so, uh, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's Facilius. Yeah, Ernie oh, Facilius. Okay. Facilius. That's how yeah. You, yeah, that's how you say I, it, Facilius. I, I don't yeah, know if it was his or not, but it was right, right about the same time there was an Apocalypse Now parody that was pretty funny. I have to look it up. I know for sure it was Closet Cases of the Nerd Kind, because that was their follow-up. Which I love. Hardware Wars is awesome, too. Both of them are great. Uh, I, I, my favorite thing about Hardware Wars, and this is, um, they have to recreate the cantina scene, so they walk into a, but they, so they walk into their favorite bar in uh, San Francisco and just start rolling. So, and it looks really strange and weird, but that's because those are people from San Francisco, and we're all strange and weird. So, you know. I am uh, such you know. a nerd that I can tell you that the song that is playing in the background is, I'm proud to be old Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> to the tune of I'm proud to be an Okie from Muskogee. Awesome. <laughs> Just awesome. Nice. Oh, and, and, and of course, you know, and then you had, you know, 
we had a space balls for a while, which held us yeah. over until we got to the oh, prequels, yeah. which kind of blew. I mean, she has a tribute to Carrie Fisher in there too. Uh, you know, she she never. You know, if I bet you, if we turn of the we could probably. You know, and it, it, all of it was amazing. And, you know, and yes, I saw the bikini in person once. I know how small it actually was. It really is tiny. I was really impressed yeah. how small it was. Uh, but, well, you know, was a tiny that was too. actually, but that was kind of the joke, too. It was like, yeah, you know what? She's been playing this badass all the time. Here, let's throw her in a bikini because it's old school, pinup girl. Flash Gordon cereal. I totally get it, and I, I don't like how people get, like, offended by it now. Slave Leia is a shout-out to old-school drama. You need to deal with it. And and I love Leia's response. I mean, uh, Kay Fish's response. And she goes, yeah, I, I fuck, yeah, he put me in a, in a bikini. I didn't like it. I fucking killed him. So, that's Carrie Fisher in a nutshell. So, uh, thank you guys for, for like letting us rant and talking about this tonight. We're going to leave now. We're almost 10 o'clock. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of things are going to happen in the next week or two. Um, I should be, we should, our, our, our next show, which will be our season premiere, should be the 24th, 9 p.m. And at that one, we are going to talk about the Oscar nominations, which dropped that morning. And we will do our top five favorite films of 2016. So um, be ready for that show because that's always a big show for us sexy mm-hmm. witches. And, um, you know, and also get this. All right. I'm also going to give my first announcement of the madness 2017, which is the 10 year anniversary of the Halloween horror movie marathon madness. So right we have a whole nice. year of, of activities related to horror movies coming your way this year. Awesome. Uh, can't wait to talk about what we're going to do this year. Uh, I already have two other judges that are helping me now, including last year's team winner. And um, we'll talk about that at the premiere. So I want to thank everyone once again, Eric Polk, Dollar Bin Eric Polk. Thank you from Pittsburgh for talking tonight. Thank you for having me on. Uh, And Aaron Kogan, as always, my cousin, my man, someday, very soon, might come out to Charleston, South Carolina. Are we holding our fingers, baby? Yay. Oh, Yay. I would love that. Thank you yes, all so much. Yeah. You've been so much cheaper than therapy. Yeah, this is <laughs> well, very cathartic. You know, yeah. This this is my this is my this is my therapy is that we was being on the show. This is how I burn a lot of stress. So I was like, you know what, I'm so upset about all this. Well, I need to get it off my chest. Let's bring it on live because 'cause I'm sure there's other people. It's also reminded me of several so. It's also reminded me of several uh, movies I'm going to have to put in the queue just to, you know, get these fields out. <laughs> so, so thank you, Aaron Kogan, and, you know, and I hope you are here for the premiere in two weeks. Absolutely. So, uh, Wouldn't miss it. And, and, and Queenie, thank you wherever you are. I hope everything is going well. And so fight the good fight. We're thinking about you, Queenie. Uh, Lots of positive vibes. thinking about you. Yep. And then, of course, Erin Marie, my sexy porn witch, thank you, as always, for being on the show. Mm-hmm. And thank you for coming on and talking about Miss Reynolds and Miss Fisher. And um, and anything else you want to say before you leave tonight? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like move, uh, losing a sister and a mother. That's what it's like. Mm-hmm. It really is. And I'm sure our thoughts go out to the family, the Reynolds families, the Fisher's family, and all the other families related to Carrie Fisher in some indirect way. In the Hollywood. The memorial happened today, and it was a beautiful memorial, everyone said, and they are going to put Debbie Reynolds and Carrie Fisher to rest in the same uh, plot. So they'll rest together forever. I think it's an appropriate end to this whole thing, and we hope that the you know angels fly to who they rest. So thank you guys. 
I'm going to leave tonight with Charlotte's Web, which is actually one of my favorite, saddest songs ever, uh, Mother Earth and Father Time, which I think is extremely appropriate for tonight. Thank you for all good film hunting, and blessed be, everyone. Good night. How very special are we for just a moment to be part of life's eternal How very special are we to have on our family tree Mother Earth and Father Time He turns the seasons around And so she changes her gown But they always look in their prime They go on dancing their dance Of everlasting romance Mother Earth and Father Time The summer larks return to sing Oh, what a gift they give then autumn days grow short and cold. Oh, what a joy to live. How very special are we for just a moment to be part of life eternal. Have on our family tree, Mother and Father.